the hardest thing for sales, sales leaders, and people in general to do, to go from a telling education, here's my model of the world, I'm going to project it onto you, to say, you know what, I just don't know. And therefore, I need to seek to understand. Therefore, I need to ask questions. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi there, listeners of the Selling with Love podcast. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. I'm running a little competition as we're trying to get more people to discover this podcast and the work that inspires those to sell with love more. And the best way to do this is to leave reviews, both on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And for those of you who leave a review when listening to this episode, I would ask you to take a screenshot of your review and send it to me at jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. And in doing so, I'm going to give you a set of meditations that you can use to get into the state of selling with love, whether it's connecting with your buyer, affirmations before making calls or any kind of outreach. These will empower you to be feeling powerful and to be able to do it from a place of love. It is a reward for supporting the show, being a loyal listener, and of course, being able to give more to my amazing audience. Thank you for always showing up, listening, and being inspired by the amazing guests that I get to interview and I get to share their message with you. So again, just leave a review. Take a screenshot of the review. This can be done on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts and email it directly to me, jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. Thank you, and now let's get started with our episode. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Today, we're going to have a special guest who's been in the training industry for several years where he's worked with organizations, training them on how to grow their market share, increase margins, more revenue. And this is Michael Lang. He is the founder and managing director of SG Partners, where he does this consulting for over 25 years. He's worked in various organizations to help them grow, help them scale. And what we really want to be able to discuss today is what are the types of qualities that you need to bring within your own self-awareness when you are in the role of sales. Now, it doesn't matter if you're in a professional sales position, if you're a small business owner or a coach consultant, self-awareness is going to be a key trait that you want to develop when you're in sales because with this awareness, you're going to be able to realize the places where you're falling short, the places that you can improve, the places that you're already doing really well and become more effective in driving revenue and keeping true to your values. Sales can be an emotional roller coaster and this self-awareness is going to be a key tool to help us move forward and do excellence in the process. Michael Lang is my guest today. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show. Really appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to our chat. Wherever it goes, doesn't matter. I'm here for you. I appreciate that. Well, speaking like a true salesperson, you know, coming here, listening, helping with the needs, this self-awareness, right? This is a trait that I usually hear in circles of personal growth, maybe in like meditation, spiritual areas where it's going to be like, you need to be more self-aware. Now, here we are thinking, oh, this is hardcore sales and we're talking about self-awareness. Is there a space for self-awareness in the world of sales? Well, is there a space for self-awareness in any human being, right? There's always a space. Let's start with, if you ask me what's the necessary traits for a great salesperson, I would say, well, first of all, being inquisitive, wanting to improve, having emotional intelligence, 
and being aware of your physiology. Well, all of that needs some self-awareness, right? Because emotional intelligence is about self-awareness and awareness of others. But being inquisitive is, well, what don't I know and what do I need to know? So how do I go find out? That's the self-awareness piece. And if we want to improve, well, we've got to know where we are and where we need to be and what the gaps are. There's a self-awareness piece. So it's not just sitting here thinking, oh, what don't I know? It's about, well, where am I? Where do I need to be? And where do others fit in? And what's the gap and how do I jump into that? So if we're going to geek out about self-awareness, here's a couple other things. So we all have a model of the world or a map. And that map comes from our experiences in the past or other people's experiences that we take on board and we create some belief systems about that. So that's our map. So here's a really interesting thing to geek about. We have a model of the world or a map that we're focused on. And that focus seems to give us consistent results. That's why we're focused on it. But what about if there was another model of the world or a map on the peripherals that we're not as focused on it, but we know it's there? And what about the things that we're not even focused on because we don't even think about it? So think about the growth of people or where they are. There's unconscious incompetence. So that could be the void that we're not even aware of, right? Then there's conscious incompetence. So that could be the peripheral. For some reason, something's happened in our life that there's just something on the edge that we know is there, but we just don't focus on it. Then there's a conscious competence, which is the model of the world or the map that we're focusing on right now. And if we want to improve, which we should, then there's how do we become unconsciously competent? And then the cycle goes again. So an example would be a simple example. Of the 13 years that I've been helping sales organizations improve their effectiveness, we talk about rapport. Everyone says, yeah, I know how to do rapport. I said, well, how do you do rapport? They said, oh, it's, it's all about body language. So a person that was just unconsciously incompetent would just go into a conversation and just be focused on themselves. No idea about rapport. A person that was going from consciously incompetent, so there's some peripheral stuff, might say, yeah, I know about body language or I know about building rapport. And, you know, these are the people that I might say were below average salespeople. Back in the days, the adage was when you go meet a client, you look for the photos on their desk, right? And you start talking about those photos, whether it's sports or family and so forth. The consciously competent, the self-aware salesperson, which is saying, well, here's my model world and here's how I need to improve it. They're embracing body language, tonality, pitch, matching and mirroring. They're bringing it all to the table and they're constantly tweaking it. So there's an example of self-awareness. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful to see when you have that self-awareness in sales, you open up this Pandora's box of different things you can learn, new discoveries on how to be more effective, how to connect better. And, you know, using rapport as one example is just a slice of areas that you can improve. And it's no wonder that the world is filled with sales trainers because there's so many different things you can train in sales, which brings me to the question for someone who's maybe just starting in sales. Do you find that there are some common mistakes or common traits that people have that they're unaware of, but they typically do in their first sales encounters that really actually sabotage them in being effective in moving their products or services? So because they're new in sales, the confidence level would be low. So 
here's something else to think about. For you to know I'm credible, I'm going to tell you everything I know. That's what salespeople who are new to sales do. Because when they're trained, they're trained on the product, how to sell the product, right? So they then go out to the field and they meet someone and they just want to say, well, I want you to know I'm credible, so I'm going to show up and throw up and tell you all about my company and my product. The sad thing is the leaders have taught them that because the leaders go back to the old days where features and benefits were the selling methodology, right? So they've got a leader that teaches them how to do that. They go do it. Somehow they have some success, so that locks in. And until something else comes around that sort of is a pattern break, they'll continue doing that. And I've had salespeople that have been 20 years in sales show up to our training sessions, and they're still of that mindset. There's still the mindset of, I've got to tell you, I've got to educate you. Instead of everything that we're about is, well, why don't you just learn, seek to understand, be inquisitive, ask questions. And it's amazing when we start to get them to think about asking questions. The interesting thing is they then create statements into questions. They're not real questions on their own. So they still want to educate, they still want to tell you, but they'll turn it into a question. And we say, no, no, that's not a question. That's not seeking to understand. You're still projecting. And because they've been doing this for so long, it's so hardwired. And I find that is the hardest thing for sales, sales leaders, and people in general to do, to go from a telling education, here's my model of the world, I'm going to project it onto you, to say, you know what, I just don't know. And therefore, I need to seek to understand. Therefore, I need to ask questions. You know, I can't help but draw a parallel to in my teenage years where we weren't so confident. And so what would we do? We'd get these cars and we'd put these loudspeakers and I was one of them. I have to admit, I had those loudspeakers in my car because I wanted to get noticed. I wanted to make a lot of noise and then be like, yeah, people will think I'm cool because I have these loudspeakers, etc. Only to realize that I was that annoying kid with the loudspeakers in the car. And it only came through some self-awareness, I would say. <laughs> I no longer have those kinds of speakers in the vehicle. Well, probably some feedback as well. Oh, yeah. The feedback came in, which, you know, it brings it to these growth stages in sales. Because when I'm young, you know, I was very incompetent. I had to go in and practice. And I've gotten some feedback. But here you're speaking about people that have done it for 20 years, probably receive feedback, but still aren't making changes is there a mindset shift that needs to happen for people to even embrace this methodology that seems a lot more effective? Change in general only comes about when there's a trigger event or trigger point. So how I explain it to people, I said there's two types of trigger of events or points. There's one internal or one external. Internal is even better because you're taking more ownership of it. Unfortunately, you know, just like Tony Robbins says, you know, you'll live with pain time and time and time again. You'll complain about the pain time and time again till it gets so painful that you say enough, right? There's that event. So people will have challenges, will have problems, but not until it becomes so painful, either internally, there's self-awareness to say, oh, I need to change because I'm not getting the results I want, or there's an external trigger point to say, you must change or I'm going to change you, right? As in exit stage left. So unfortunately, I mean, we've just done a workshop and there's this person that was there and through the whole two days, after two days, he's still in denial. He's delusional, right? So how do you change him? I can't change him. He needs a trigger event. 
So I already know that he was on performance management. So when I meet with his manager director, I say, look, after two days, I'll let you know he's delusional. He's in total denial. So unless, unless you can find a trigger point, you're going to have to exit stage left. And, you know, that still might not change him. He might go and get another job with another company and still do the same thing because the world just allows that to occur. So I believe everyone's got a story in them. Some just haven't realized the impact of their story and they don't change. Or some are just in denial that the story is actually occurring. Yeah. Well, that's some good highlights to bring up. And I think for a lot of us, I'm hoping that as we're listening to this, there is a wake-up call and knowing that there is a better way. And I've seen a lot of people, we model the negative sales experiences that we've had. And that's all we decide to do when we get into sales, thinking all sales is bad, all sales is evil, all sales is manipulative and sleazy yep. and you know selfish. These are all the words people tell me when I ask them, what do you think of sales? What are the words that come to mind? Yet when I think of effective, amazing, great salespeople, they're none of that. They're the caring, listening, providing solution. It's like a totally different breed of humans when you really look at the top performers, which you've highlighted some of those traits, you know, the rapport and some of these competencies. You can spot the ones that are great. They've done probably a lot of training. They've had some experience to build their confidence. What are the ways that you would describe an amazing salesperson when you see them? So an amazing salesperson would be someone that believes in themselves, someone that is externally locust. So I say 50% of the audience has this negative perspective about salespeople. I believe the reason it is because they're focused on themselves. Great salespeople are focused on others. So they're interested in others. So they're looking for the betterment of others. A great salespeople also have a cadence. They've realized throughout the years there's certain things you have to do consistently, and if you do that, something will happen. So great sales is about doing the right activities in the right way consistently and being effective at them. So the cadence allows you to review all those points consistently. That's amazing. And I have to talk about this bridge to gap. So a lot of us listening were like, wow, these are competencies and skills. And this is a way I'd love to show up. Yeah, I'm a caring person. I want to focus on others. But yet, the insecurities come up, maybe I haven't developed that competence. And you know, there's always these two paths that I look at and look at my own experience in sales is there was some minimum competence that needed to be derived from really failing badly and embarrassingly. And there's some of the competence that I developed because I was exposed to great ideas, books, and trainers. But I'd have to say the ones that seem to stick the most with me are these bad experiences in sales and total rejections I felt in sales. And so do you think that's kind of a necessary growth stage and path we need to follow? Or are there ways that you can learn it by listening to stories from others? So it depends upon how you're wired. I hate the thought that you have to learn from failure. But there is a certain amount of awareness that comes from that. I would prefer to always learn from others. And so, again, it comes back to, you said a lot of your audience are from startups or people in their own companies and going out there. One of the things is when you start something, you just have so much passion with sharing to the world what you know to be right. So you just keep running and running and running and spreading the word until something happens. It doesn't work. And then you start to say, oh, what do I need to do differently? And it's at that point where you'd say, well, 
if I looked at other companies or other organizations or other people, what do they seem to be doing? And how could I learn from them? How could I speak with them? So to me, it's about getting out of your own way and saying, who else could I talk to? Who else could I surround myself with to give me perspectives that I'm not aware of because I'm so passionate about what I do? And I remember in my younger years, people used to call me arrogant. And I'd say, no, no, I'm passionate about what I do. So there was this lack of self-awareness, but it is a fine line as well, right? So I was passionate, but the way I communicated that passion to others who weren't as passionate as I was could have come across as arrogant. So there's this key word of communicate. So you can be as passionate as you like. What you need to understand is not everyone communicates your way. Not everyone has the same model world. And so when we talk about self-awareness again, the best thing you could do is to say, you know what? If I was to be able to communicate their way, they would relax and be more open to my passion. So whether you're in just starting in sales, you're just starting a company, or you've been doing it for five years and you're a scaler, I think once a month, at least once a month, just breathe and say, you know what, what went well, pat yourself on the back because that's a piggy bank you're going to need to withdraw upon. What didn't go so well? Is there a pattern there? And because I keep doing it, maybe I need some external assistance to help me be even more aware of why I keep doing it, what do I keep doing, and what could be the pattern breaks. So I should be a millionaire by now because I do sales training, sales coaching. But every day I have to reach out to people and convince leaders to invest in their people. And that's why a number of years ago we went into the leadership space to say, you know what, if the leaders aren't developing themselves, why would they invest in their team? As Confucius said, the fish rots from the head. So to me, great leaders, great salespeople, great people in general are saying, you know what, life's a journey. For me to get the best out of it, it's about improvement and how do I keep tweaking myself time and time again? I would recommend listening to podcasts, listening to other people talk and interview other people, great people. I've hooked on a couple of people, uh, podcasts recently. Just read blogs. Just be inquisitive about people's perspectives. And again, when I was young, at a dinner table, I would project, project, project. Now I just sit there and shut up and say, hmm, that's interesting. Do I want to dig deeper in there and be interested? And the beautiful thing is when you ask questions to other people, they feel you're interested in them. So you're building a deeper rapport because you're demonstrating you're interested in them and you're learning a shitload of stuff, which is fantastic, right? It shouldn't be that hard, but it is. It's funny because I've had so many of these interactions, you know, the funny story of, you know, sitting at a dinner table, meeting someone new and only asking question and saying nothing about yourself and that person leaving the conversation saying, wow, that person was a great person. They're so interesting. <laughs> and it's the same that happens in sales. I mean, we're talking human to human, right? So we're basically saying, hey, don't be 
interesting and we're focused on trying to be interesting all the time when it's actually when you're being interested that actually brings a lot more of the results the more i speak with people and a lot of the past guests that i've had there seems to have been this consistent attitude around sales about being a listener about the emotional intelligence about the self-awareness it seems like you know over the last few decades that has always been the behaviors of top salespeople. It's just that we don't encounter them often and you know based on your experience because i know you're spanning over decades here are you realizing or seeing a trend where the more average salespeople is starting to actually apply some of the tactics from the top salespeople or is this just you know the same pattern keeps happening over and over again unfortunately it's the same pattern over and over again because there's no trigger event for them to change because the organizations they work for are getting their results year in year out of 10% growth and so the average people still keep their gig because until the leader becomes aware that you know what they've lowered their expectations to compensate for the lower outcomes so when we go into organization we say let's raise the expectations because the cream rises to the top let's raise the expectation and then let's see who needs support to get there and some will make it some won't and those that don't, they leave and they go to another organization. And over a period of time, that organization then learns, oh, hang on, I employed an average person. They still are average. My expectations have changed, so they need to move on. And they keep moving on because it's the smallest percentage of leaders who actually understand, were in my model world, sales. If they're a leader that came from logistics, finance, or engineering, they're probably the 50% that think salespeople are pushy, slimy, used car real estate agents, right? So they don't want to have anything to do with it. So they really don't want to step in there. So how do we improve a sales team when a leader of that ilk has those beliefs, right? So the wheel just keeps going on. It's an existential crisis and you speak a lot and I know you do a lot of training when it comes to the leaders because they need to change their beliefs and they need to change their expectations of what to bring for their sales team. And so in sales organizations, is the trigger point actually training also and bring awareness to buyers to expect more from their salespeople? And are you seeing those trends be a shift to push people to be more excellent in the way that they sell? Well, there definitely has been a change in the buyer. And that was really brought about by, I suppose, the age of the internet and just the proliferation of data on the internet. So the buyer... As I said, salespeople who show up and want to educate and tell, if they're sharing content that the buyer already has access to because of the internet, then what value are they bringing to the conversation? So the buyer is becoming a lot more savvy now. And you know, there was this book by Chet Holmes, and he did some research and he said, 3% of the market know they've got a problem. They know what the solution looks like. They just need to find a partner who has the solution. 6% know they've got a problem, but don't know what the solution is. 91% don't believe they've got a problem. So as a salesperson, you need to be aware of whether they're the three, six or 91% and change your engagement accordingly. So to me, it starts with leadership. And you know, one of the less focused roles in any organization is sales leadership. Less time, less focus, less energy, less training. And to me, I mean, I've just got a client who says, oh, well, we're just employing a national sales manager. He was our best salesperson. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. 2022, as you say, hasn't been enough narrative around 
there's a red flag. But it still happens. Why? Because a leader has a belief that if I take my best salesperson and they talk to all the other salespeople, they'll become the best salesperson as well. That's doomed to fail. So if we want to improve sales, we need to put more time and energy into sales leadership. What I'm hoping is from people listening to this conversation, having their small organizations, they're going to actually embrace sales and leadership within their sales role. They're going to see that as you grow your company, the more you add great salespeople, it'll start driving in some revenue, fueling the growth and doing it in a great way. I would think that all the things like company values, your culture are all things that don't put that sales role into a shadow box that you deny and want to stay away from but really understand sales is a beautiful thing like michael shared is the top salespeople have always been doing it in a way that they're self-aware they're competent they're not just blabbing about uh, the product service and benefits because we feel insecure of our own competence so we try to overcompensate and you know the feeling when you've engaged with a salesperson that's insecure so they just word vomit and dump on you instead when you're a very competent salesperson you're a listener you're asking powerful questions, you're externally focused, as Michael was sharing. These are all the qualities that you want to bring in your traits as a salesperson and when you look to bring salespeople into your organizations. Continuous training, continuous awareness, continuous learning. And if you have a sales team and you feel like they're not growing, learning, and being proactive, I think the question that Michael brings to you is, are you learning, growing, and being more self-aware yourself because the leadership is really where you want to start bringing these kinds of qualities, not only to your sales team, but really to your entire organizations. But the beauty is when you do this for the sales team, you get to measure results very, very rapidly. And if you're taking some of the methodologies, the trainings, and you're following Michael, you're going to realize that you can achieve more sales, more revenue in a beautiful way that aligns with your values and is done with integrity. Michael, this was a powerful conversation. Thank you so much for bringing this awareness to all of my audience. And for everybody tuning in, I'm going to have some links so you can discover more about Michael, his trainings, and how you can connect with him directly. He will make sure that you are on that continuous path of growth, learning the right ways to sell in a powerful way. Thank you so much. Thanks very much, Jason. Really appreciate it. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.